You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, hey, we continue our series on firm foundations and the reason we've been talking about this subject over the last few weeks and over the next few weeks is that we believe that a firm foundation, a house well built, is important because life storms are going to come. And so that when life storms come and when you begin to question and doubt and, and things happen in life, if your life of faith is built on the firm foundation of Jesus and your house is built well with good doctrine and good understanding of who God is and how he operates, it'll help your house of faith withstand the storms. And so over the last few weeks, we talked about some big topics that easily could have been one year's worth of sermons of just breaking all those people things down. We talked about scripture. We talked about God. We talked about Jesus. And today we're going to talk about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And as we've been doing, I will um, give you some information, and that's important stuff that you can spend on your own time studying and digging deeper on your own. And then um, I'm going to give you some practical application of what does it look like for us to live out our life today under the power of the Holy Spirit, under the authority of the Holy Spirit. And, and listen, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I grew up Southern Fried Baptist, okay? And so Southern Fried Baptist, this is one of the topics that we, we struggle with. I even, one of my friends was talking about it and he's like, hey, uh, we're Baptists. Do we believe in the Holy Spirit? Like, um, and we do, we obviously do, but in the tradition that I grew up in, like we, we held up education, which is extremely important to know um, the scriptures well, to be able to teach them well, to rightly divide them and all of that. And that's extremely important. And we do things with excellence, with planning, with organization and all those different things. And then sometimes there's a tendency to do all of those things and to then say, okay, God bless it. May your spirit bless it. And that's exactly um, not what scripture tells us to do. It's to, to do all those things, but to have the spirit of God, um, marinated in those things in such a way that it just, like when you squeeze it out, it's obvious that God's a part of it. And so, um, and so anyway, so I, I'm just going to be honest, that's, that's my curtain. And so as I've grown and matured in my faith and been exposed to different things, I mean, one of the things that, that, I, that I struggle with is sometimes some teach that like, Hey, the, the, the stuff of, the spirit, the miraculous things of the New Testament ended at a certain point in history. And I'm like, maybe, but I just heard a story that's been validated by a guy that saw Jesus show up to him in a back alley and say, I am Esau. And this Muslim guy came to Christ and, 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 um, Jesus is showing up to Muslims in dreams and, and at other places of the world, people are, are being touched and they're weren't walking and they're touched. someone prays over them in the name of Christ and the Holy Spirit and they're touched and they're healed and they get up and walk. And so I'm like, so if, if, <clears throat> how can that be? Does that make sense? And so I, I'm, I'm trying to put all that stuff together. So, um, I, I don't know where you're at in your journey of that, but we're going to dig into this a little bit today. And so, um, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is God, that there's, when you say God, God responds, yes, yes, yes. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're, they're equal, but there is an order. That God the Father is the authority. Even Jesus says, I don't know, I'm, I don't even know the, the time whenever my Father will say that the end is coming. So there's, there's a picture of authority, even though there's equality in there. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is divine and is a being with a mind, an intellect, emotion, a will, and that we... we in a a way to explain and understand who God is. In the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 1, actually, the Holy Spirit is talked about as ruach. So if you, the last little part, it's like a really good spit word, okay? You're like, and stuff should come out. And that's that's the spit of God, the, the wind of God, the spirit of God moving. And so whenever God breathed his breath into Adam, he ruached him. And so the spirit of God gave him life and energy. And then in the New Testament, that word is pneuma, translated pneuma, which is the wind of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God. So even a passage not too long ago, we talked about when we talked about the Bible, we said that the Bible is um, God breathed, God pneumed that out. And so he gave life to it and breath to it. That's why it's living and active. That's like a two-edged sword that every time you read it, it brings life to you, but it also brings life through death um, because it, it transforms you. And so that's, that's part of that Holy Spirit thing working out in us and the tension that we live in. And so I think one of the things that also brings us confusion is that the Holy Spirit kind of works a little differently in the Old Testament than when we see him working in the New Testament. And so, um, and part of that is because God, God revealed himself over time to us and in his fullness, he revealed himself in Christ. And so God um, revealed himself over time and worked in men and, and women. And so in the Old Testament, he helped create man. He helped create all of creation. So even when you look at the stars and say, God, you did a great job. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit are like, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's all of them were there. That the Holy Spirit equipped people in the Old Testament for, for special service. So if you grew up in and around church, maybe you heard the story of Samson and that, that he was empowered by the Spirit and he was given special power. And, and, um, and partly because of he, he did some things, kept some rules and laws that he grew his hair out, which I would love to be able to do. And, um, but he grew his hair out and there was special power in that. And whenever he was disobedient and his hair was cut, the Spirit left him. And, um, and so there's just, it's a little different in the Old Testament than it was, it is today. Um, as you read through the Old Testament, it says that the Lord of God, the Lord of God, um, you know, spoke through the people. And so therefore there were the prophets and the prophets tell us about the time. And then he also, they also tell us about the coming of the Holy Spirit and um, his new activity, but also prophesies about the Messiah and that the Messiah um, Jesus fulfilled every single one of those prophecies and he crossed every T and dotted every I in those prophecies so that we can have confirmation that his life and his activity in humanity fulfilled all those prophecies of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And so there's all this stuff about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And then you get to the New Testament and that Jesus comes and lives and dies. And one of his final things that he tells his disciples is, listen, the spirit is coming. I'm going to be leaving you, but the spirit is coming and the, the spirit will remind you of the things that I taught you. And he will do some other things. He will be a comforter to you. He'll be a counselor to you. And, and so the Holy Spirit now in the New Testament is, is a, um, convicts us of our sin. And so 
two things about that conviction. One is if you are not a follower of Jesus yet, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, convicts you of your sin and draws you unto him for salvation. That's the first part of the conviction that if you're a Christian, you maybe you remember this moment where you're like, man, I have an overwhelming sense of the of the dirtiness, of the uncleanliness, of the whatever it is, my need for Jesus. And so you're convicted of who you are and your need for him. And so you move toward the cross and say yes to Jesus. But also now in Christ, there's no condemnation, but there is conviction. So as you're living life and you're moving in this, let's say you're moving in this direction, all of a sudden conviction comes in your heart and your conviction says, this is not the direction I should be coming. And so this word called repentance happens. If you convicted of it and you choose to repent, you stop moving in this direction and you repent and you turn and you move back. That's what conviction does. Condemnation moves us here and then we dig a pit of shame, pain, regret, and sorrow and we get in it and we have this pity party and we have guilt and shame and that is from the enemy. Conviction stops us, draws us to repentance, draws our heart and our mind back to who Jesus is and we move here. Condemnation makes us sit here and we do the little pouty thing. Like my, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all need more coffee. All right. Like you're here, you get it. Like you're stopped here. And we, we so many times, this is where we sit in our faith and our life is that we live under condemnation from the enemy because we're listening to the wrong voice. The enemy's voice condemns us. The spirit's voice says, Hey, listen, there is nothing for you there anymore. Stop it. We stop, we repent and we go back to the place of life, to the cross in Jesus. There's no perfect people allowed. And we've always moving under the conviction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So he convicts us, he guides us. I think this is where I this is where I'm at in my understanding of the Spirit. I want to kind of give you a, an, an image for yourself is that whenever you say yes to Jesus, you get into his boat. And when you get into the boat with Jesus, there's oars And there's a sail. There's that whole little standard thing, and there's a sail there. And that, this is true of my life. I'm not talking about yours necessarily. But in my life, I got, many times I'm in the boat with Jesus, and I pick up the oars, and I'm just oaring along. Because I have a plan. I have things that I want to do. I have my own agenda. There's there's ports of life that I want to go to and things that I want. And so I kind of go there. And sometimes I get frustrated by the fact that the waves and everything, the wind's blowing against me. And I'm like, why can't I be successful in this? Why can't I do this? Or why can't I have this? And reality is that we got in the boat with Jesus. And yes, there's oars there. But the most important tool and resource that is there is the sail. And that Jesus is whispering to me, Chris, quit doing it in your own strength, in your own wisdom, in your own power. Raise the sail. And let the Spirit of God blow your boat. It's not even my boat anyway, but I think sometimes that it is. All good gifts come from Him. And He's giving me this boat, and He has ports of destination for me that I cannot even fathom, that I cannot even imagine. Now, I have my own agenda and my own things that I think that I want and think that I need and I think that will give me worth and value in my life. And Jesus is like, listen, quit rowing to the ports that you think are where you need to be 
put up the sail and let me take you to destinations and ports where there's an abundance of life and freedom and, and things that are there and rewards that are there that you can never imagine. But I also have to admit, sometimes that scares me. Because there's sometimes there's ports out there that I can't even see. And also know that the waves can get really, really rough. And that if I let the Spirit take me, He might take me into the deep. And I like rowing really close to the shore. The Spirit convicts us and guides us and also regenerates us. It creates new life. That the things that used to bring worth and value and that we thought worth and value and whatever is no longer worthy. And so now we're over here and that gives us new life. Our diet has been changed. We have a counselor. And and this is an interesting word because today I think when we hear that word counselor, we think if we're going to the counselor and we can share some of our stories, some of the things that we're struggling with, and they'll give us some wise advice or tell us to make be easy on yourself or whatever that stuff is. And we value counselors here. We have a counseling office, and we believe you should go and have someone that you can share that stuff with. But here in the Scripture, this counselor is a little different. It's more like a lawyer, that someone is there to defend you. To hold court on your behalf. And that's a little bit different deal. Of, uh, they, they there and they know you and they're there to, to hold court on your behalf. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is it, it transforms. And we'll talk a lot about that here in Galatians chapter 5 or 16 and following just a minute. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. He is our comforter. He does provide comfort in some of those seasons. He's also our intercessor. He prays on our behalf. And I think that's an encouraging thing because what scripture tells us is then is that even our best prayers, our wisest prayers, our most spiritual prayers, as good as they are, can still fall short because we're not God. And so we don't even know what we don't know. We don't even know what we don't need. We don't even know the fullness of the situation and things ahead of us. And so we pray what we pray and God receives that, but also the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf as well. And so he joins in with our prayers and in some ways completes them and gives them fullness. He moans and groans and pleads on our behalf. So I think that's beautiful that God gave us himself and he resides with inside of us and he pleads on our behalf for what we truly need. So our good father gives us the ability to even ask for the right things that we don't even know that we need to do the task, to have the fullness of life. He also is our seal and guarantee. This is an, an old word in the days whenever you used to buy something or purchase something, they would seal it. Literally, they would put their little stamp on it, and a lot of times they would have that wax thing, and they would stamp it in there. And that was a guarantee that what you had, been, what you had purchased was bought and paid for. So you would show the receipt. And so here, the Holy Spirit is our receipt. We show it as that's the guarantee that we've been sealed by Jesus. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's our guarantee. So this is that discussion of you're sitting across from someone and you're having coffee and you're talking about what it means to live in Christ and to have the Holy Spirit. And you're like, so then they're like, so tell me about the Holy Spirit. And you're like, you know, if you know, like if you've tasted, you know, you can only have tasted the same type of thing if you were there with me and I shared that steak with you, but it's available to you as well. And so it's that this weird thing he also empowers us. As I said, the sail raised up and he blows his wind. And you can see how the Holy Spirit works today. I want you to, 
to jump down to Galatians chapter 5. It's going to show on the screen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. And I want us to begin to think about how can we live in the Spirit today? Like, what is that tension that we live in? The first thing about living in the Spirit today is this, is that when you believe in Jesus, so when you make that confession that Jesus is the Son of God, the living God, and and that you believe that what he did on the cross covers over your sin and, and you have salvation in him, in that moment when you confess that, Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God takes residence with inside of you. So imagine with me, if you will, in that moment when you say yes to Jesus, you open the door to your home, you open the door to your heart, and you say, Jesus, come in. And he comes in and he takes residence. He gets the remote control. He gets the favorite recliner. He's sitting in your place, and he's there with you. You are now not just a regular home. You are the temple of the living God. So just a regular place now becomes the temple of the living God because you've professed Jesus through the spirit of God. He takes residence with inside of your home. Our struggle is that we've got some places in our home we don't want Jesus to go. Right? And so that's our struggle. So when you believe in Jesus, you confess him. The spirit of God takes residence. In Galatians chapter 3, right before our verse, Paul says, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? In other words, did you receive the Holy Spirit by being religious and checking off the boxes of things to do and not checking off the boxes of the things not to do to try to live a moral life? No, you, you receive the spirit because you believe the message that you heard about Christ. So then how foolish can we be if after starting our new lives in the spirit, why do they then become, try to become perfect by our own human effort? In other words, in good intentions, sometimes we teach, hey, don't do this, don't do that. Like, again, I told you I grew up Southern Fried Baptist. And so, like, you couldn't dance, right? You couldn't partake of joyful juice, you couldn't, um, I mean, you know, you like those different things. Like people know like we're, what we're against more than anything. And so, um, and, th- and those things are for good intention, correct? Right? I mean, that's, that's, those are guiding things. But, but also then also we, you get focused on those things and not Jesus, the spirit behind those things. So that, that was the point of that. Verse three. So how foolish then can you be about starting your new lives in the spirit? And why are you now trying to become perfect by doing those and not doing things. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it is in vain, wasn't it? As you ask again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you've heard about Christ. In other words, when you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit comes on you. He comes on you. And we're living it out. And Sometimes our natural human tendency is to say, oh, here's the rules of things to do and the rules not to do. And God says, listen, that's living by rowing the oars in your own power and your own strength and your own intelligence to get to ports that you think you should be going to because you're doing some of the religious things. Put those oars down and raise the sail of the spirit and let God take you where he wants to take you. Now, it always points to Jesus, okay? That's what I want you to get. The second thing is this, is that after you receive the Holy Spirit, you will begin to learn how to walk according to his direction and guidance, which is always to glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit always lifts up Jesus. He doesn't lift up himself. He lifts up Jesus and he encourages us and empowers us to love our neighbor. 
So again, that conviction is, when we're convicted here, it's going to convict us and draw us back to Jesus. No perfect people are allowed at Crosspoint. Why? Because we're all living under or should be living under conviction. Either conviction to know Jesus for the first time or conviction to live in Jesus and to know the fullness of what he has for us. So Galatians 5.16. So I say then, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Literally, let yourself walk daily in the spirit, in the power of the spirit. The second part of that is then you won't be doing what your sinful nature desire, craves. And this is really bad English, but it's really good Greek under your, in your Bibles. Um, it'll say won't or not, but it's, 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 um, not, not, it's a double negative that has a positive sense about it. It's really weird. Greek's really weird. So it's this. When you're walking and you're guided by the Holy Spirit, you're living your life daily and it impacts every single area of your life. Under the power of that, there's no way when your sail is up and the Spirit of God is empowering you that you'll want to turn back to another port that used to give you purpose and identity and worth and value. Because you're now here and you're like, man, I've experienced the fullness of Christ. I want to be here you want to do that. But so many of us, all of us have those moments where we're, we're in the boat and we're doing the things, but we're doing it in our own strength and our own power and our own wisdom and our own intelligence. And all of a sudden something from the past catches our eye and we're like, maybe this time that port will be different. And so we turn the little oars, use the oars and we turn around a boat, boat around and go to a port that we visited before. That's not been life giving. And so here Paul is telling us that if our boat is being empowered by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit's power will be so strong, we can pull the oars out, but we in our own strength won't be able to correct course because the Spirit of God will move us to where he wants us to go. It's encouraging. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants, that there's warfare that's going on. You live in this tension and the, the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting with each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. And so you, you have that moment of you get up in the morning and as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, you get up in the morning, you say, Hey, today, Jesus, I'm, today's your day. I'm going to give my whole life, my whole mind, everything about today's for you. And you crawl up on the altar and say, my whole body, my whole day is yours. And then by breakfast, your foot's off saying, well, God, you can have everything about my body and life except for this part. And then next thing you know, it's lunchtime and like just part of your, you got your hands on the altar and you're like, God, you can have ever, you can have my hands. It's also this idea of that we put on the clothes, that we put on the, all the armor to fight the battle and gird up and get ready to go. And throughout the day, we're like, well, shoot, no arrows have come, so I'm going to throw away my shield. Well, shoot, I don't even see an army, so I don't need to wear these shoes that are, they hurt, the spikes hurt. I don't want to walk around them anymore, so you take those off. And so that throughout the day, the different things, and so complacency sets in. And you don't think that today is there any, gonna, any attacks are going to come. And so you're literally naked. You had girded up for battle, but by the end of the day, you're naked and you're not prepared. And all of a sudden, the enemy surprises you. And then it's too late. And you're overwhelmed. That's the tension that we live in. But when you're directed by the Spirit, 
You're not under the obligation to do the religious things anymore. You see in verse 19 that Paul kind of describes in great detail that tension of, hey, if you live under the, the sinful spirit, these are the fruits, and which are stinky bad fruits. But if you live under the spirit of, of God, that there's good fruits that happen. So look at Romans chapter 7, and Paul kind of describes that tension. Listen, if there's ever been a more religious person than Paul, I don't know who it is. Obviously Jesus, right? But Paul... And he's describing this, this tension that he lives with in verse 14 of Romans chapter 7, verse 14. He says, so the trouble is not with the law for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me for I am all too human. Anybody? You're too human? A slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong. This shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing the wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. Verse 18. And so I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Is this talking to anybody? growing in your own strength. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing the wrong. It's the sin living in me. So I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. You feel like that? I want to do what is right, but inevitably I do what is wrong. And here's the deal. Like Paul, we love God with all of our heart. But we still mess up. Because there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will live free? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now listen, this is a great image. This is that condemnation that moment where we're here condemned and we have shame and pain and regret and we're in a miserable pit and we're having a pity party and we're like who is going to free me paul draws this beautiful image of jesus stepping to the prison cell and taking the keys and freeing us and letting us go here he says thank god the answer is in jesus christ our lord that's our mission here. It's to point people to Jesus. Listen, you may have been a follower of Jesus for 150 years. If any of you are, come see me. We can never get over Jesus. We can never exhaust what we need to know about him. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. We have stinky fruit, but now we have good fruit. What does he produce in us? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Rules and guilt don't motivate us. Freedom, experiencing true freedom really does, empowers us. So those of you that have belonged to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them. Since we're living by the Spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. 
So this is, again, part of that tension. We've invited Jesus into our heart. We've invited him into our home, and he's, he's taken residence, but there's parts of our heart, parts of our house that we don't want him to go to. It's, it's too unclean. It's too dirty. It's too unmentionable. But if the Spirit, we allow the Spirit to do the work, he goes to every single nook and cranny of the house, and he might find dust. He might find junk. He might find boxes of stuff that you've been carrying from house to house to house that you don't need to carry around anymore. So if you're struggling with an addiction, has the Spirit of God, have you allowed the Spirit of God to to do His work? If you're struggling with your finances, have you allowed the Spirit of God to deal with your finances? If you're struggling with relationships, have you allowed the Spirit of God to to dig into your relationships. All the different areas. Of the, Jesus wants to get into every part of your life because he wants you to have complete freedom. And that every port he wants to take you is a port in life that only he can take you to find freedom in that area. The Spirit of God leading you in that place. The third thing I want you to get is the Holy Spirit gives us freedom and he produces God character fruit for every person in their life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, each one of us, in verse 7, it says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. In other words, when you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes on you, takes residence with inside of you, and he gives you gifts so that you can encourage and support. And so some of you have a gift of teaching. Some of you have a gift of serving. Some of you have a gift of administration. Each one of us are gifted. Why? Because as a body of Christ, it takes all of us to be the full potential that God has for us. So imagine this, is that we're a body of Christ and that someone who is gifted as an eye decides they're not going to be a part. And so we got, we're a one-eyed church. Or maybe two eyes are gone, and so we're a blind church. Or maybe the pinky toe doesn't want to do, so you're out of balance. It requires each one of us to be a part. The fullness of what we can be as a body. So how do we live in the Spirit today? A couple questions I want to put before you. One is this, is to put your life up to God's mirror and ask yourself this question. Are you reflecting God's character through the fruits of the Spirit? Are you seeing that there's a little bit more love? There's a little bit more peace? Don't pray for this, but a little bit more patience. A little bit more gentleness. A little more. Why? Because if you're looking and thinking and acting and loving like God, then the fruits are happening. The Spirit is doing its work. Another question is, do you know how the Spirit has gifted you? I don't take for granted that some of you... You've never even thought about how has the Spirit uniquely gifted you to be a part of the body of Christ here at Crosspoint? What does He need for you to do so that we can be the body of Christ to do all that He's asked us to do? We have an online assessment. It's not a pass-fail thing, all right? So you can go on, take the assessment, and it'll kind of give you some help on where God might have gifted you and try some things in that area. Also, if you don't sense... That the Spirit of God resides with inside of you. The first thing is this, is begin to say, hey, listen, have I ever said yes to Jesus? If you don't sense the Spirit of God, ask that question. Have I ever said, truly said yes to Jesus? If the Spirit is not there, that's a possible answer. Is that you may be in church a long time, but have never truly said, yes, I believe in Jesus and confess that. And to say, he's my Savior and my Lord, and I want to raise the sail of my life 
to him. Second thing is this, is to discern whose voice are you really listening to. For the Holy Spirit convicts you and leads you back to Jesus and freedom and God's fruit. But the enemy condemns us and puts us in a pit and leads us into guilt and to shame and to fear and sense of unworthiness and shackles and holds us there and tells you you're not worth enough. So if you're living under the this voice of condemnation, that's the voice of the enemy and say, I, I pronounce I'm not going to live under that anymore. I'm going to live under the voice and the truth of Jesus and convict me and draw me back to Jesus. Well, how do you do that? How can you do that? I think, let me give you a couple of little illustrations. One is uh, some of you maybe are old enough to know this. I've seen this on TV. There used to be these things called radios in the cars. Y'all remember this? We had dials and you would change them. And so like the little orange thing would go back and forth and you knew like the orange thing was in the right spot because there was clarity, right, of the radio station. Hey, this is KXGN or whatever, how that would go. And so, but there were definitely spots where there was no, there was noise, there was chatter, but there was not clarity of voice. And so, and if you were out in the middle of nowhere, you were like hoping for one channel. Well, that's another way to think about our cluing in and sensing into the spirit of God is Continuing to, to clear in because we want clarity of voice from the Spirit of God and to spend time with Him and to know His voice, all the other noise. Maybe for you younger kids, instead of a radio, maybe check your GPS coordinates. Is that you're traveling life and you have ports of destination that you want to go to and then maybe you just stop for a moment and you look in your maps and you set your destination of, hey, I need to get home. Even last night, we were coming back from, a, from a, a, a family day away, and we were coming home. It was late. We'd been a long day, and we were tired, and there wasn't going to be enough coffee to get us home. And so um, we were, it was me and my daughter, and we were kind of there, and I'm like putting in coordinates to get home. And she's like, you don't know how to get home? <laughs> like, we've done this trip like a thousand times. You don't know how to get home? And I'm like, leave me alone. I know how to get home. It's like two things. Number one, I'm really tired. I know you're probably going to fall asleep. And we're listening to the Rangers game. So we're really distracted. All right. And so we could miss a turn. And instead of ending up in LaGrange, we could be in Colleen. And then we're going to be really mad. So we need to set GPS coordinates so we can begin that trip and begin to know. And then also it has a speed limit. I want to be able to know that I'm not speeding because there's some speed traps along the way. And I don't want to be gifted with a ticket. And so maybe you just need to reset your coordinates so you can get home. You can get home safe. You can get home under the speed limit and the pace at which the Spirit of God wants you to get home with Him. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank You for Your Spirit. Father, I pray this morning that everyone in this room and in the, that can hear my voice has said yes to you and is in the boat with you. And if not, that maybe today's the day that they say, Jesus, I want to get in your boat. Father, I pray for each one of us is that in our natural tendency, we're in your boat, but so many times we want to, we want to control your boat because we think it's our boat and we don't even own it. You've given us 
given it to us, but it's not ours. Father, we're stewards of it. So, Father, that you've even given us oars. But, Father, you, can we just put those oars down? Give us the strength and wisdom to put the oars down and, and just say, hey, we're not going to drive this boat in our own power and our own wisdom and our own strength, but we're going to raise the sail. For Father, we don't want to stay close to the shore anymore. We don't want to go to ports of destination that we've been to before, especially if they're not life-giving, especially if they bring shame and pain and regret and a sense of condemnation. The things that used to give us worth and value and a sense of purpose are gone. We don't need to go to those ports and those destinations anymore. Father, may we raise the sail and say, you take us to new ports, to new destinations that we can even fathom. Father, even if it means we go across the biggest waves that we could ever imagine to know that you will never, as our good shepherd, as the good captain of the ship, you will never take us to a place and in weather that you don't know is coming and can't control and can't understand. For, Father, you're the God who told the waves to shut up and to be silent. So, Father, in the storms of our life, when we let you take control and let the sail, the wind of God, take us to those ports, yes, there may be moments of fear and trepidation, but to know that you're in the boat and you have got our back. May we trust in you enough to raise the sail trust in your spirit that the destination, the port of destination it's worth the trip and the journey for it's in your son's name that we pray Amen Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus For more about Cross Point Community Church you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org Have a great week